Welcome to Curmudgeon's Corner for Saturday, June 25th, 2022. It's just after 15 UTC as I'm recording. Um, so just real quick, uh, I'm doing one of these things where I make sure the beginning of the podcast is rooted in the right week, uh, and then we'll do the rest a little late. Um, so just he here's what happened, uh, a few things. Um, so the we Yvonne and I were going to do this podcast Thursday evening. Uh, and then Thursday evening, U.S. time, early Friday, UTC, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, like a minute before we were getting ready to start, like I had gotten all the stuff ready on my side. Yvonne was about to call in, blah, blah, blah. Um, I get an urgent call from downstairs. Uh, it turns out my wife, Brandy, had fallen and twisted her ankle. So we decided not to record the podcast because I was busy taking Brandy to urgent care. Uh, she's uh, got uh, one of these orthopedic boots and a and crutches and has to have a follow-up uh, to see if more is required rather than just healing time, et cetera, et cetera, because like, it was a pretty bad one, so they have to do whatever they do and look to see what they have to do. But she's at the very least, she's on boots and crutches for a while. Um, and so we were going to record Friday. Originally, I, we were doing it Thursday because Friday I was going to be out of town with Brandy. Um, but I'm like, okay, maybe Yvonne, I'll be able to do it from the hotel room um, and do that uh, on Friday evening. Um, and so we were going to do that. But then um, on Friday, um, unfortunately, Yvonne's father had a fall uh, that was serious enough that he ended up in the ICU. And uh, uh, Yvonne, you know, I don't know if he was done with that stuff by the time we would have recorded anyway, but he was obviously dealing with that and dealing with his father and hopefully his father will be okay. Um, it's, uh, But obviously that's going to occupy your time and attention. So I'm like, don't worry about it, Yvonne. I'll take care of it myself. I'll, uh, I'll record something myself. And so Brandy and I headed off uh, to Tacoma, where I am now, uh, for the Washington State Democratic Convention for this year. Uh, that's where I am at the moment. Um, and uh, by the time we got in Friday night, nobody felt like doing anything. I brought my microphone and everything. Um, it is now Saturday morning. And um, I went to set up the mic and realized I had forgotten the adapter to let it plug into this computer because it's got a USB-A plug and this laptop that I have with me only has USB-C. So you need a little thingy and I have a bunch of them at home, but I forgot to bring one. Anyway, so you're on the built-in mic, so that's why it probably sounds a little bit goofy. There's a hotel air conditioner going in the background, so that probably doesn't sound great. I don't know. Anyway... The point is, um, uh, I'm going to record most of the podcast a little bit later after this little intro thing. Oh, and I should have put the actual intro at the beginning. Oops. Maybe I'll do it in a second. Um, so anyway, we'll, 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 we'll call this the cold open. Anyway, um, uh, so I don't have my microphone. I don't have the uh, co-host. I don't have anything. Uh, the agenda today is obviously going to be... Uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade um, and probably some January 9th stuff. 
And maybe I'll talk a little bit about this convention as I'll probably record most of this show after that is over. Um, and uh, that that's the plan for today. Um, a little bit different than normal. Uh, apologies for all the chaos. Um, and you probably don't really care about all these details, but, you know, I'm telling you anyway. Uh, so I'm going to play the intro music. And when I come back, um, we'll do the real show. And I'm not sure whether it'll be a few hours or a full day or whatever until I do the rest of the recording. But we'll, we'll, we'll probably get it out around the usual Sunday night, Monday morning time frame. Uh, I say usual. Like my target has always been to get it out by Saturday afternoon U.S. time. Uh, that's obviously not happening this week. But this recording of this intro is happening in that time frame. Uh, okay. So. Yeah, here comes the uh, intro. Since I didn't play it at the beginning, here comes the intro music now. And then we'll come back with real stuff after this. Uh, thanks for your patience. Here we go. Okay, and I am indeed back. Um, as I mentioned, it would be a while. Uh, my time, it's been like a day and a half. It's now Sunday evening US time, uh, already Monday early UTC. And I guess uh, we start out with um, the, uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, look, when the leak happened a month and a half ago, uh, we put a special show on curmudgeon's corner where I had three women come on and talk about this and their feelings about it. Um, and I don't want to sort of overstep and, uh, uh, talk about things, you know, I, I, like I felt back then, I feel like having a male perspective here is not particularly helpful. Um, but this is just, it's exactly what folks were warning was going to happen for years and years and years. You are very rapidly seeing the effects um, as people. Yeah, again, none of this is a surprise. Um, there were a number of states that instantaneously um, added additional restrictions on abortion or made it completely illegal um, because of various trigger laws or zombie laws or various other things that were in place that just sort of immediately snapped as soon as, uh, as soon as the law was overturned or not a law ruling, whatever, as soon as Roe was overturned, uh, there are other States where those triggers hit, uh, at the end of the month, which is just a few days away as we speak. Um, and there are, quite a few other states that are rapidly moving to put in place additional laws. Um, in the end, it's expected that about half the states in the country uh, will essentially have uh, abortion completely illegal. Some will have some minor exceptions, rape, incest, life of the mother, etc. cetera. Uh, most will not. I shouldn't say most will not. Some will not. And you're already starting to hear stories of 
people who are going in for treatment for ectopic pregnancies and have not been able to get the care they need uh, because of that, um, and people struggling to figure out where to go, how to do it, uh, you know, because you have to leave the state, you have to go across the country, you have to do this, you have to do that. The effects of this are starting to hit already. And it's going to be bad for huge portions of the country. And you'll feel the effects even in the blue states because of the people trying to get to states where they can get this care from all the states where you can't and overwhelming the current capacity for that kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's, you know, as many people have said, women are going to die because of this bottom line, bottom line. Um, you know, so much has been said about this. So much has been said the last time around, uh, when the leak happened, um, where do, where do I go from here in terms of talking about this? Well, one thing that has been going on the last few days is sort of in all the reactions to it, there has been sort of this split in the discussion between sort of the official democratic response, which is basically vote for more Democrats. Just vote, come out, vote. That's all we can do right now. Vote, vote, vote. And then a bunch of people saying, no, do something. Fight, 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 fight. I'm sympathetic to both of these points of view. Uh, however, here's the thing. And, you know, I hate to be all defeatist, but the time to vote, vote, vote was 2016. <laughs> Goddamn motherfuckers. I know I keep coming back down to this, but it's like the people who stayed home because Hillary Clinton wasn't Bernie, the people who just, you know, but her email, yeah, the, 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 the people who just couldn't get over her stupid emails, the people who were like, this is picking between two evils and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go vote for Jill Stein or something. You know, this is what you get. I mean, I understand the people who do something, do something, do something. Don't just tell us to vote. Well, you know, our system is really constrained on who can do what, you know, people talking about, well, you know, add more people to the court. Well, guess what? You don't have the votes in the Senate for that because you'd have to kill the filibuster and you don't have the votes to kill the filibuster, let alone, you know, the 60 votes do it without killing the filibuster. Uh, same thing for passing uh, a law codifying this. And even if you did pass a law codifying it, there's a good chance the Supreme Court would say that's unconstitutional too. Um, there are some people talking some clever things like, can you use federal lands for certain things? Can you, uh, I mean, even the administration themselves has said, uh, they're going to try to do additional protections for people going between states to get stuff done. Um, look, here's the deal. The Republicans worked towards this goal for 50 years. 
And it was a slow start. The first part of that 50 years, I mean, a lot of people have been talking uh, recently about the early history after Roe where, you know, even like the Southern Baptists were actually okay with it at first. It, it became a thing later on down the line when the Republicans figured out that this could be a wedge issue that they could use to uh, for their political advantage and and that kind of stuff. But the Republicans have been working towards this a lot for a long, long time. Uh, Yvonne and I have talked about this before, how they've, you know, for, first of all, they've been laser focused on getting out the vote and the judiciary was one of their top issues that they talked about over and over and over again, where it was one of the things that could sort of hold together their coalition. You know, the people who wanted tax cuts could get the majority to do their tax cuts if they went along with, okay, we'll, we'll get you judges that'll get rid of abortion. And the anti-abortion people would go for candidates they otherwise wouldn't necessarily be that excited about, like Donald Trump, potentially, as long as they promised them, the judges, to get rid of abortion. And it was one of the ways they held together their coalition. And this has been something that they've, they've consistently, even as their numbers have declined, they've been able to get out the vote on this issue and have people come out and come out and come out and they vote and they vote and they vote, even though voting for this did not result in them getting what they wanted for many, 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 many years. And at the same time, they've been working really hard at taking over state governments all over the country in order to be positioned to be able to get what they want in a post-Roe world. Now, that's not the only reason for being aggressive on the state governments. Just generally, the Republicans have been very, very smart on this. Concentrate on the judiciary. Slow but steady. It may take decades, but we'll get there. Same thing on local governments. Slow but steady. We're gonna we're gonna fight every race for school boards, state senate, local mayors in in small towns, you know, county sheriffs, all of this kind of stuff. And uh, whereas the the Democrats have been sort of hyper concentrating at the national level, and uh, in many places ignoring the local level and. And for some reason, Democrats have just never been able to get really super motivated about the judiciary part of things when voting. Like, you know, one of the things Hillary Clinton said in 2016 is, look, even if you disagree with me on everything else, you need me to put those judges in place. And a lot of people were like, ah, screw that. We don't have any, we don't have to worry about any of that stuff. That'll never happen. Hey, well, it just did. And, you know, I'm concentrating on, on Roe versus Wade and abortion, but the court in the same week, um, significantly reduced Miranda protections. Um, there is a, a, a ruling expecting next week on, uh, EPA regulation that potentially implies how the government is able to do any regulation across any topic whatsoever. Um, there have been, there was a, the, the, the gun ruling, um, from the Supreme court last week as well. There have been all kinds of stuff. Like, look, you've got a six, three conservative Supreme court. Now that is going to impact how things work 
for decades. Decades. You know, now it may not stay. Who, who knows? I mean, the, the, the oldest of the conservative group of ju- justices are in their 70s. You know, they're not going to last forever. If the timing is right and they end up leaving the court during a democratic during a democratic administration where the Democrats also hold the Senate, that's important because I think the reality is these days, let's let's not have any illusions about it. If a vacancy opens up on the Supreme Court, the president only gets to fill that vacancy if the Senate is in the same party. And that's certainly going to be true with Republic. You know, if 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 you've got uh, a Democratic president and a Republican uh, Senate, I would hope that the Democrats realize these are the new rules too. And if it's ever the reverse situation, uh, you know, a Republican president and a Democratic Senate that they block everything. But who knows? Um, because you know it's that tit for tat thing. You can you can sort of play fair by the rules until the other side goes beyond the rules, and then you'd be stupid not to also do the same thing they did. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, look, yes, vote. You 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 need to get Democrats into office if you don't like these kinds of results coming out of the Supreme Court. And, you know, there are a number of people saying, well, you know, they, they can't just say vote. They have to be more specific than that. And I agree completely with that because one of the things that has a lot of voters, especially young Democratic, especially young Democratic voters or young left-leaning voters, I shouldn't even say Democratic, very frustrated is that they're like, we did vote for you. And we're not getting what we expected out of it. Now, you know, part of that is just, I mean, goddamn, you know, read a civics book or something, figure out how government works, you know, the, 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 with the way the Senate is structured, it's not like they can do like widespread changes. I mean, the filibuster exists. You don't have enough democratic votes to get rid of this filibuster. And the president is otherwise somewhat constrained. Um, but, you know, people have pointed out, give us something specific. And you've started to see that. You've so- started to see a portion of the Democrats, I've noticed over the last few days, have started to consistently give a message of give us 52 votes in the Senate, including 50 votes that are reliable on getting rid of the filibuster or at least carving out exceptions to the filibuster, as well as holding the House. And we will indeed get rid of the filibuster and we will indeed codify Roe and we will indeed do a few other things. At least you're being specific there. Now, I think you have to, and some of them have even gone beyond that and started saying where they need that. Because, look, more people in blue states turning out to vote blue is going to do jack. The way the federal system works, you have to, I mean, if, if you want to give this result that the Democrats keep talking about, first of all, you have to, the, the, the get out the vote, first target is keep everywhere that's already blue, blue. And there are a few places where 
that's going to be close, right? <laughs> Both in the Senate and certainly in the House. There are a lot of races where, you know, the Republicans are going to stake, take the seat unless the Democrats are, I want to say lucky, but it's not just luck. It's like they have to really target those places. And then you have to go beyond that and start picking up some barely red places and bring them into the fold. And look, it's a hard lift. I mean, we've we talked before, you know, the president's party always, well, not always, nearly always loses ground in both the House and the Senate in the first mid-year. You know, that's pointing to a, a Republican House and a Senate that's a, a toss-up at best. And does this change that? I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I, I looked after the leak about this. For a month, I watched very carefully the polling averages. And specifically, I usually looked at the 538 generic ballot. And over the month and a half after that leak, it barely fucking moved at all. Like, you know, there were people saying, well, you know, this will be the thing that'll move it back in the direction of the Democrats. No. If you look at RCP instead of 538, where they're a little bit more sensitive to short-term changes, it went slightly in the Democratic direction for a few weeks and then basically bounced back to where it was after that. And, and on the 538 version, it was just flat. You know, there were, there were nothing but like a little bit of the standard jiggle you always get and it, not nothing, no, no noticeable signal of improvements for the Democrats. So the question is, okay, that was a leak. Is it any different now that it's real? And so I'm going to be watching those graphs. I'm going to be watching those charts to see, uh, because the difference is now it's not just, you know sort of somebody vague talking. It's like laws actually changing in states. There, as I started out saying, there are many states where, boom, immediately the law changed. And there are more coming. Now, in most of those states where the laws are changing, honestly, though, it was already nearly impossible to get an abortion or very, very hard. So how will this move people? Will it move people? Will it take people who were like, you know, previously my most important issue was the price of gas and I wasn't really caring about anything else. What portion of them will suddenly be caring about this issue instead? Will you get sort of, you know, what I've said before, like the Democrats best chances, uh, I mentioned like three things, but number one was, uh, well, one of them, well, number, number one was the Republicans overreaching. You know, you, you get rid of Roe and then you start really aggressively going after abortion in lots and lots of states. Do you get sort of, you know, the Republican suburban woman who is really after it for some of the economic things, but isn't really on board with the full social agenda and maybe specifically for abortion feels queasy about things. Do you get them shifting over? Uh, 
I don't know. Because, look, look, again, we're in this era where so many people are so dug in in their partisan viewpoint that single issues, like the, the person who agrees with their party on almost everything, but this one issue is going to make them change their mind. That's, it doesn't seem like that's a huge group of people, but the thing is also the country is so closely divided, especially when you factor in the various current geographic advantages Republicans have in terms of how our system is organized. Um, little differences can matter. But you've got this countercurrent of all these sort of disillusioned young people, especially, but not just young people who are saying, look, I voted for Democrats and I didn't get anything. I wanted X, Y, Z, and they didn't give me any of it. And so therefore I'm going to stay home. And some of them will even vote Republican. And I have no idea how these things are going to balance out. I think the the Democrats that are hoping that this issue will change everybody's mind, <laughs> not everybody, but that this issue will change the dynamics of the congressional race um, are A, putting too many eggs in that basket where there's other things that are going to affect things too. And also... I've said this before on the Democrats, the messaging, how they, they need to figure out a way to make people feel that it's actually worth their time. And, and, you know, you, you can scare them with, you know, everything that's happening here, uh, because it is scary. Like the, the immediate results of this decision, of this Dobbs decision that overruled Roe, um, are going to be felt in a significant portion of the country right away. But even there, there, there's so many people who won't like really worry about it or think about it until it affects them personally or their kid personally, or their, you know, someone they know extremely well. Like they don't sort of have the automatic, like, Hey, let's think about how it affects people in general, um, and won't really think about it too deeply until it hits them personally. And that that's going to take some time. That's not going to happen in a couple months. You know, for I mean, sure it will for some people, but until it's a, a large number of people, that's going to be a while. And I, 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 you know, you, you, I don't think Democrats have figured this out yet. And I, and, you know, I, I know I, I kind of skip straight to the politics and I, and to some degree, I feel like you have to think that what do we do next, um, in terms of that kind of stuff. And I, I again, I'm super pessimistic. I think things are going to get a lot worse before they get better and we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope I am wrong and that, and that this ruling and the immediate effects of it start getting more people to turn around and say, wait a second, this is what 
voting for Republicans gets us. Let, let me start, <laughs> let, let me reassess that. And maybe some of the Republicans just stay home if they can't stand voting for the Democrat. I don't know. Um, in the meantime, there are, there are all kinds of other things that people are talking about. You've got all of these people saying, you know, <laughs> talking about camping and such. And if you need to camp, come to, you can come to my house. And, uh, and I've seen a number of, uh, people online also saying people stop it with the camping stuff. You know, you don't know what you're playing with. There are organizations who, have been working on this and specializing this in years where they vet people and blah, blah, blah. If you're just like putting it out there on the internet, you are putting your family in danger. You are putting any people who come to you in danger. You're opening yourself up to people who don't really need abortion services, contacting you and trying to set you up because some of these laws that are being put in place, you know, you would be guilty of aiding and abetting. And you could be committing a felony yourself. And some people are like, well, I don't care. I'm just going to help wherever I can and let them come for me. But there are people who, there are people in organizations who've been thinking about this. They have the resources, they have the lawyers, they have everybody else. They've got, they make sure there's vetting on both sides of, of the people who are going to help people get the care they need, as well as the people who are getting the care. There's all kinds of stuff in place, you know, and so you do need we're clearly moving into an area where that kind of stuff is going to be necessary. Uh, there are a number of states, including uh, the three West Coast states where I am now, um, that are either already have or or are in the process of setting up uh, systems to basically say, "Look, we are a safe haven state. You can come here. You can get your abortion treatment." Uh, and we will do everything we can to protect you from the laws in your home state. We won't, we won't cooperate with extraditions. We won't cooperate with information requests. We won't do this. We won't do that. But it's clearly, you know, that there, it's unclear at this point whether there are states that are going to be able to say, you know, if you leave the state, go have an abortion and come home, that they're still going to go after you for it or the people who helped you do that, uh, you know, and so it's a mess. We don't, we don't know what it's going to look like yet. I mean, there, every state's going to be different. There's going to be all kinds of additional court cases, no doubt. Uh, but they're all going to go up to this Supreme court eventually. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I you know, if, if you want to help look for those organizations who have some history and know what they're doing and, you know, volunteer with them or donate money with them or whatever. Don't try to do things on your own. I, I agree with the people who are giving that advice, but, um, yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've said before, you know, that we were going to spend years and years and years and decades probably undoing the various thing that the undoing the various things that Donald Trump has damaged. Um, I hadn't quite had it fully in my head yet that there was going to be continuing damage first before we even get to the repairing stage. Cause of course that's what the Supreme court does. And these things take time and it's going to, they're going to keep 
doing rulings. I mean, pe- people are already talking about, uh, you know, gay marriage and uh, birth control and various other things that uh, the court may go after at some point in the future that just Justice Thomas flat out said he wants to go after those things. The rest of the court said, no, 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 we don't know. We're, we're not doing that. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, but exactly the same justifications apply in terms of the legal arguments they made, which, um, you know, I've seen people talking about consistency in the legal arguments and things like that. It's like, really? The consistency is in the results. You know, it is whatever justification is needed to get to the result you want. Don't look for consistency otherwise, because people have pointed out that they've said, you know, look, the guns and access to guns are so important that we cannot let the states make certain types of decisions on it. Meanwhile, abortion. Oh, well, of course. The states can make all those decisions. Don't look for consistency in that kind of stuff because it's not about being consistency about being consistent about the nature of federalism and what kind of decisions should be left to the states and what should be federalized. Or and, and, and if you look for consistency there, you are going to be disappointed. You are going to be consistently disappointed. There you go. Um, but if you look at it from the lens of, well, what results are they trying to get in the end? What is the viewpoint that they're looking for here? Um, then you'll find the consistency. Yeah. the There was a Twitter thread by David Rothkopf, um, who's a, a columnist at the Daily Beast, uh, a bunch of other things. Um, but it's it a thread uh, he posted on June 25th. Uh, it's very depressing to read, but I, I, you know, go look at it anyway. It starts out, history may look back at the period in which we are living and call it the great regression. It is a time in which on issue after issue, we are seeing decades and sometimes centuries of progress reversed. We have never seen anything like this before in our history. And he goes on a while. Uh, his idea is D-J-R-O-T-H-K-O-P-F. Uh, he posted this thread on June 25th. Uh, he goes on and on about a variety of examples and things that we're thinking about and what we might have to do to stop it and what we might have to do to stop it and things like that. But the, the bottom line is, I, I, I think back, and I don't know if he mentioned this particular thing in this thread, but I, I think back to re- Reconstruction after the Civil War. Obviously, I don't remember Reconstruction after the Civil War, but there was a lot of progress on civil rights uh, immediately after the Civil War. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it was good, but I mean, uh, there were black members of Congress. Um, there were uh, black people elected to all kinds of local offices throughout the South. And then it ended. And it ended after a contentious presidential election where the deal to resolve the presidential election was basically that the North would disengage from the South and let them do what they wanted to do again. And at that point, all of that progress was, all of that progress was reversed. And it was something like 80 years from that point, maybe longer. I forget the exact timeline before we got back to the civil rights to the civil rights laws in the 1960s. It put progress back something like three quarters of a century. 
And I worry about what we're seeing now. I mean, I mean, Roe itself is backtracking 50 years on this particular issue. I see us backtracking you know, similar timeframes on other issues, but like, you know, I see people hoping for a very quick reversal of this. And I hope we do get some sort of quick way to do this. Like the, the Democrats do get 52 votes and do get rid of the filibuster and codify this. Um, but then even if you, even if they do that kind of stuff, you have to go all in. And I'm afraid like we keep seeing the Democrats not willing to go all in. Cause like if all you do is get rid of the filibuster and immediately vote with like 50 or 51 votes or something to codify Roe versus Wade, and you don't do anything else, then the Republicans are going to come in the next year anyway, and they'll reverse it, put it right back where it was. If you want to do something like that, you have to be expanding the court. You have to be adding states. You have to be all doing all kinds of super aggressive things in order to, uh, to, to fight against this reversal of, of, of progress um, that is exemplified by what the Republican Party is wanting to do right now. And specifically this sort of um, Christian nationalist segment of the party that has now taken over the courts and, uh, you know, and, and a significant portion of like the, the, you know, we have the MAGA folks who are sort of the Trump personality cult, but it, as Yvonne and I have said, Trump, Trump was not the cause. Trump figured out that he could activate these people this way, but they now don't need him because they, they have now captured the entire fucking party. Uh, and so whatever happens to Trump himself, these forces are going to continue and going to, and are going to be very strong for many years to come. Um, so I, yeah. Ugh. it's been a very frustrating week. Um, and I'm not, you know, I feel like I would feel it so much more strongly if I was a woman, uh, if I was, uh, you know, but even so I, I, I look on this and I'm like, okay, where are the, where are the rays of hope? Cause you know, if, if you, because yes, if the Democrats manage to hold the House and if they manage to get a, a couple more states in the Senate, then some options op up, open up if they've got guts. But right now, Democrats keeping the House is like a huge stretch right now. And again, maybe, maybe this will bust it all open. We have all kinds of people talking about this like, you know... The Republicans reversing Roe is like, you know, the dog catching the car. And now what's going to happen? Because they've been saying they wanted this and saying they wanted this and saying this wanted, wanted this and saying they wanted this, but it is so unpopular um, that will it backfire on them? Now, part of the problem with people looking at that when they say, well, look at all these polls saying that, you know, uh, 60 plus percent of the population didn't want this. If you're looking at it nationally, it doesn't freaking matter. Like you have to look at it state by state, county by county, whatever. Like 
okay, 60% of the population of the country doesn't want this result. But what about the population of Alabama? Or, you know, pick your red state. Like, is this going to be unpopular there? No, in many cases, this is going to be extremely popular. They'll, the majorities are going to be jumping up and down talking about how excited they are, which again, you know, and people will say, well, you know, that's the point of federalism. Maybe this is an okay thing. Like let each state do what the people of that state think is right. And the problem with that is, is that you are saying that the individual rights of the women in those states don't matter as long as the majority of the people in the state think it shouldn't matter. And so you're, you're sort of condemning large groups of people to secondhand citizen status just because those geographic areas think that's okay. You know, it, it, for those of you out here, I would I would love to get some feedback, and we give all the ways to give feedback to the show at the end. Um, if you've got a really positive take on this, if you're like, you know, this, and let me let me clarify, if you've got a positive take on this thing because you think getting rid of abortion rights and making women carry to term. Uh, fetuses that they don't want and are not prepared to be mothers to, uh, I don't want to hear from you. Sorry. If you think that there is a, you know, some way, a positive trajectory from here to undo this, send us feedback. I, I want to hear the details of that. Cause right, right now I'll be honest. I'm like, I'm like extremely pessimistic. I'm extremely pessimistic about what's happening with, uh, the abortion issue, but dozens of other issues too. And looking at, you know, a future where, you know, because the Republicans take over um, one or both branches of Congress, they'll be able to, you know, they'll be able to well position themselves to take over the presidency again in 2024, perhaps legitimately, perhaps through cheating. I don't know. Like it, it could go either way. Um, and then, you know, a a generational reversion uh like uh, Rothkopf said you know a you know where we're we are going to regress m most of the progress i've seen happen over the course of my lifetime and i'm 50 years old and that we won't get back to where we were pre donald trump for decades that, you know, yeah. So I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I know I'm pessimistic here. I'm the big downer. And I've seen a lot of people say, you know, for those people being all in despair and down, you're, you're doing the enemy's work because you're just discouraging people and they won't want to, they won't want to fight because they think it's lost already and blah, blah, blah. And don't get me wrong. I think that everybody who feels like these are negative things that are happening needs to be prepared to be very active. I mean, you know, um, yes, go vote and figure out what else you can do beyond voting. Uh, 
don't stay home no matter what. Don't be like, oh, my vote doesn't matter. I'm not going to bother. That's just, that's just idiotic. That even, even, yeah, that's just idiotic. Start by voting for sure. Um, and you know, contribute to the candidates that you believe in because you want to help them, but also like, you know, be, be smart about this. I mean, the don't, don't waste your efforts in areas that aren't going to matter. Keep in mind how federalism works. Keep in mind how local government works, like which area, like you, you don't need to throw a whole lot of money into a already heavily blue area to make it even more heavily blue. That makes no sense. You also probably at this point don't want to waste your money on the super, super, super red areas that are going to stay red no matter what you do. You want to find those battlegrounds where it's really going to be a difference and try to leverage them. Anyway. Depressing week in terms of all this stuff, even though everyone knew it was coming. And by the way, there are a few people like Susan Collins and and Joe Manchin and f- such who are like, oh, they lied to me. Oh, come the fuck on. You know, everybody knew that they were picked for their abortion stance. And they also, I've, I've seen some of the comments where they're like, they lied to me. Well, and, and some of them have said they said things in private that weren't public, but at least on the public statements, they were exceptionally careful in their language. For instance, oh yes, Roe versus Wade is settled law. Well, that's a statement of fact. It was settled law. They used the present tense. It, you know, at the time they gave the statement that it was settled law, it was settled law. But they were trying to get themselves appointed to a position where they could change that. They were very careful about that. I I don't think they they explicitly lied. Did they mislead? Did they misdirect? Were they lawyerly in their language, shall I say? Well, of course they were. But this is what they were nominated for. Duh. This and all the other, you know, to use the Steve Bannonism again, deconstruction of the administrative state. They want to do all this stuff. They, uh, it is it has not been a secret what conservatives and what the federalist society specifically wanted their judges to do we we've known this and again you know, hillary fucking clinton warned you and yeah i i if i keep yammering i'm just going to repeat myself uh so let's take a break um yeah, I didn't load in all my breaks, but yeah, here we go. Here, here we go. Here's a here, here's a break that was, uh, um, yeah, uh, I, I, it's one of the Alex breaks. Enjoy this Alex break, and when we come back, I guess I'll talk January sixth for a little bit. Um, I'm gonna once again sort of pause and do a couple other things at home before I record the next segment, but uh, it'll be short for you. Here you go. You're supposed to say do do do. Do do do. Alex Amzella. Alex Amzella is awesome. Its videos are fun. And today, once again, we have one of our most loyal subscribers here to tell you how awesome Alex Amzella is. 
I'd say on a rate from one to ten, Alex Emsla is awesome at, I don't know, 37, 82. He's pretty radical. His videos are phenomenal. They're full of creativity. And they're, and they're so funny and exciting to watch. Wow, what happened to your voice then, Amy? Was that dad pretending to be you? Because the audio was distorted when it really wasn't because I told him to? Yes! Good job on remembering, Dad. Do, do, do! Okay, here I am, back again, I guess. And I promised that the next segment would be on the January 6th stuff. Um, You know, first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll say I should have said this at the top, which is, you know, this is turning out to be a solo show since Yvonne couldn't make it and everything sort of spiraled out of control too late for me to really recruit anybody else. I guess, you know, maybe I had a couple opportunities, but I was like, nah. Um, so I'm doing this solo thing and I know the whole Sam just doing a solo thing has a whole different vibe to it (laughs) than when I'm going back and forth with someone. And uh, for some people, even who like our show, don't really like the solo shows. So I assume most folks who fit in that category are already gone by now, but for anybody who's left, I'm sorry. You know, uh, sometimes these come out okay, but like I, you know, I too like the back and forth a lot better. Like, uh, you know, it would be nice to have Yvonne here or somebody else to, to, to chat with, but oh, well. Um, so January 6th stuff, you know, once again, this week, the whole, during the daytime, not prime time has made it difficult for me to like really concentrate on them in the same way. Like the first session that was in prime time, I finished work. I sat down, I watched gavel to gavel. I mean, uh, who am I kidding? The, the first time I got interrupted by going to urgent care for my son and blah, blah, blah. And I, but I watched a replay full thing i sat down and i guess like these daytime ones i could have been doing the same thing i could have you know i i I set my little i i use um uh youtube tv and i set it to record these sessions and i could have gone back and watched gavel to gavel afterwards but instead i ended up sort of having them on in the background while i tried to do work and other things during the day um which means it did not get my undivided attention. It got a very divided attention. So I was sort of dipping in and out, hearing bits here and there. And it it just doesn't, it honestly just does not have the same effect if you're watching it that way. And, you know, I've heard some people ask, well, you know, it, it, you know, ratings have dropped off and people aren't paying as much attention. And a lot of people aren't hearing every bit of this. And I've seen some of the, uh, the, the people on the committee respond to that by saying, well, yeah, but they'll see clips and they'll see this and they'll see that. And that's true. It's just not quite the same though. But, uh, you know, the theme has been the same. Um, you know, what's the right way to say this? Each day has had its own concentration on like what aspect of everything is it focusing on? But I think 
our description of this before it even started is about right. Uh, and every single one of these is emphasizing that more, which is this is taking the overall picture that those of us who've been paying attention have sort of assumed was true that like had it, it was, it's the analysis that makes analysis. Well, that's not even the right word. We, we've taken the bits and pieces of circumstantial evidence that was known, you know, since the thing happened and filled in the gaps in our heads in terms of, you know, Donald Trump's involvement, other people's involvement, whatever. And most of what the committee has been doing has been fleshing that out with actual evidence. So it's not just speculating and making up the story that makes the most sense and saying, well, that must be what happened. Instead, it's actually sort of bringing the receipts, having people who are involved testify to, yes, this is what happened. And that is a very powerful thing. But I'd say that they've actually gone slightly more than that. Like even some of these details matter in terms of really fleshing out just how coordinated and involved this was. One of the things that, you know, Yvonne and I had said on the show even a number of months back was, was that you could look at this as, you know, oh, well, you know, it got out of control. This is a bunch of people who, you know, they, they were they're the Trumps and the people around them were playing with forces that they didn't understand, couldn't fully control. And, uh, and so things happened that they didn't necessarily intend. I, I think one of the things that we're seeing with all of this evidence is it wasn't just things getting out of control. This was the plan. All of these things were the plan. The um, <clears throat> when when and it all comes together. And you know, we've said no. You know, there's always this challenge of like, was it really a grand master plot by Donald Trump himself? Because Donald Trump seems really stupid, and maybe some of that is an act, but maybe he is really stupid. And how? And if he is really stupid, how does he pull off? coordinating all of these different aspects or as as Liz Cheney said the the seven different parts of this plan that all come together and so i i don't know if donald trump himself sort of was the mastermind of all of this stuff or whether some of the folks around him put together the plan but it seems like even if other people were coming up with the bits and pieces of the plan, Trump was an enthusiastic participant. So there was some talk of like, hey, they're trying to like have Eastman be the scapegoat, like because he's obviously the one who's actually smart enough to pull this stuff together where Donald Trump is not. And the thing is, though, even if even if Eastman was the mastermind, again, Trump himself very clearly 
had his fingers in everything. He was pushing it. He was, you know, people would come to him saying, let's, you know, this part's not working. Let's back off. And he would tell them not to back off. And, and now we've got like these, these Congress meep, Congress meeple, not meeple. They are not meeple. They are people. Congress meeple. Meeple are not people. Anyway, people are not meeple. Meeple. See, this is one of the reasons these like one person shows, you know, I, I start saying things like meeple. Well, I would say that anyway. Who am I kidding? Anyway, we've got these Congress people looking for pardons. And this is like beautiful. There's like six or seven of them. And they're all the, the suspects you would expect who are like knee deep in stuff and are ultra MAGA, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, a number of people have said, you know, look, you don't look for a pardon if you're not guilty. That's not entirely true. There's definitely like the notion of you think that people are going to try to go after you for something, even if you think it's completely invalid, blah, blah, blah. And that's what some of these folks are, are claiming. I think Mo, Mo Brooks put out a, a statement along those lines. That must be what the sea pigs are smelling. That must be what the sea pigs are smelling. Bye. Close the door. Wait. Use use the jet ski travel dream as the next break. Tell me what number it is and I will. Uh, I don't find know. it Check. for me. Check. I, I don't know. I am checking. No, 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 no. I'm... You asked me to tell you. So I am checking. Okay, out. Text me. Text me the thing. You can take my phone. I'm almost there. Ah. I'll have to set it up as the thing too, so Okay, that must be it. Forty one. Apple Dream forty one. Okay. Okay. after that interruption, where the hell was I? I was talking about Mo Brooks and excuses for asking for a pardon if you're not guilty, if he thinks he's not guilty, like he just thinks people are going to go after him. But, you know, honestly, people are going to go after him for a good reason, as far as I can see from the evidence and all of these other folks. Um, And you're just seeing the committee rack up people who are involved, how they were involved, uh, crimes left and right, it seems. Um, and tying every little bit back into Donald Trump. Um, it'll be interesting to see where DOJ goes from all of this. It will be interesting to see where DOJ goes with all of this. As I've said before, I kind of feel like if DOJ does anything at the high levels here, it'll be next year, not this year. Uh, but they are continuing. There, this last week, there were... There were search warrants and subpoenas to a bunch of the state level people dealing with the fake uh, uh, electoral college submissions and all of that kind of stuff. So they're clearly sort of working their way up. So there might be some interesting things out of DOJ even before next year, but they move slowly. They're moving very deliberately, and I know lots of people are frustrated by that. Hell, I'm frustrated by it. But the thing is, if they are going to do a prosecution 
of anyone really high level, Trump himself or even Trump's inner circle, they are going to have to be absolutely, totally meticulous and not make any stupid mistakes and have everything with double and triple sources of evidence, you know, so that if anyone uh, isn't enough, they've got the others as backup. And, you know, that, that kind of stuff takes time. And uh, they do seem to be doing the thing where they start at the low level and slowly roll their way up. Um, we'll see. The other big question on all of the hearings so far is, are they having any sort of effect on anything, <laughs> you know, in terms of public opinion, because everybody is so stuck in their corners. Well, you know, I, I think I mentioned when we were talking about the abortion stuff, how nothing has really moved on the uh, generic ballot for Congress. And that's still true as of now. Uh, but there have been some polls specifically on Donald Trump and the election. And do you think he did anything improper? Do you think Donald Trump should be uh, charged with anything? All of these kinds of questions. And it seems there has been some movement in those kind of polls uh, since the hearing started. Um, and specifically, the one that was the most interesting is amongst Republicans, what percentage think that Donald Trump should be charged with something, that he, that he actually did something illegal with regard to what was going on with the election. And those numbers have apparently doubled amongst Republicans. Now, still small numbers, like it went from like 10% to 20%. Um, but that's a big change. There's a big chunk of Republicans uh, who are having some doubts here about Donald Trump and about the big lie and whether or not this is worth criminal charges and all that. Now, and of course, you know, Democrats already thought that for the most part. I guess the, those numbers may have increased slightly too, but they were really high to start with. Um, what does that mean though? I, I mean, those those Republicans aren't switching to be Democrats, but what it might mean is further weakening of Donald Trump within the Republican side of things. Like, you know, I, I think last week or the week before, Yvonne and I talked about DeSantis and how DeSantis must be loving this. Uh, there are a bunch of other Republicans that are looking at potentially running too. And the question is whether they smell weakness. Uh, I, I'm not going to quite say blood in the water, <laughs> uh, but do they smell weakness here? Um, and the dynamic that is coming, that seems to exist within the Republican Party right now, is that you can be a Trump supporter. You can be all over how the big lie is true and how Trump is wonderful and blah, blah, blah. And you do great in the Republican party. Um, you can also though, get away with being neutral. Like you just avoid that topic. You avoid talking specifically about Donald Trump. You avoid talking specifically about, you know, whether or not the election was stolen, et cetera, et cetera. And you also seem to be doing okay. 
The only people who are completely getting crushed are the people like Liz Cheney, who directly are opposing Donald Trump. And that's a no-go in the Republican Party today. But you can strike this line where you kind of ignore him and hope the Democrats take care of him for you. <laughs> and just, you know, and I think that that kind of dynamic may be going on a little bit, regardless of whether or not he's charged. If, if he's actually charged, that might actually help Donald Trump because he can play victim and all this kind of stuff. He can play victim a little bit just for having this going on. But from some of the statements he made, he seems to be really getting upset by the committee and what they're doing and what they're saying right now. He's talking about how big a mistake McCarthy made about not having, you know, quote unquote, non-Rhino Republicans participating in this thing. Uh, even though at the time that that was going on, he, he approved, you know, he was okay with McCarthy's approach, but Donald Trump doesn't seem to like these hearings. And they seem to be having some effect more than I thought they would, to be honest. Now, it's still not, you know, making the entire Republican Party go, oh, shit, you know, we were wrong for years. Donald Trump is an asshole. Sorry. Yeah, and they all know he's an asshole. But you know what I mean? They're not like fundamentally changing the dynamics of the fact that a huge portion of the Republican party believes the big lie, believes everything was stolen, believes Donald Trump was completely in the right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's having more of an effect along the edges than I was expecting. Um, the other thing though, is the committee has delayed the rest of their hearings. There were going to be more of this coming week. Um, they're pushing them off further into July at this point um, and saying the schedule is uh, a little bit in flux right now because they've, they're have they saying that as the hearings that they've had so far have continued, they are getting more and more information and more and more people coming to them saying they want to cooperate and provide more data, et cetera, and that there are things they know now that they did not know when the hearings started and they want time to dive into them further and explore what they are learning there. I don't know what those things are. They haven't said yet. Uh, they keep getting asked about, you know, do you have direct like eyewitness evidence of Donald Trump doing X, Y, or Z and things like that, or of these, uh, of various other aspects of this. And they, they're fairly good. They're like, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. We're still investigating, blah, 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 blah. Uh, they've had a lot of discipline on that kind of thing. Uh, so we'll see though. Uh, but that means they're taking a break for a few weeks. I, I shouldn't say taking a break. They are clearly doing investigative work and they will be doing behind the behind this. They will, and they will be doing behind the scenes things where they are interviewing people just not live on television. Um, and then they'll come back in a few weeks. Do they lose further momentum? I don't know. Um, maybe, but then we'll see what they come back with. Right? Like if they've got like a real bombshell out of this, then they can come back with a bang. Um, I do think that they, 
for a big kicker, they need to go back to prime time. Um, cause it's just like, I'm a junkie. I would be watching these things like gavel to gavel, but I kind of feel weird doing it in replay. Like, cause by the time I would have time to sit and do a replay, I've heard all kinds of highlights and I was popping in and out cause I couldn't bring myself not to have it on in the background. Uh, but at the same time, I recognize some of these things they've had on in the daytime have been a little bit more esoteric and more in the weeds. And so I understand why they didn't put them at night. There were a couple people who just weren't good speakers who it was tough to listen to them. Um, you know, they had good content, but they, it, it just, the presentation wasn't as good. Um, and so I can understand, oh, okay, you, you put them on, uh, in the daytime and people will just listen to highlights and I, I, I get it, but like they need to close this out with a bang. I presume the end of the hearings for sure will be prime time. Um, but we'll see. And, and, you know, I don't know what they got. I don't know what they got, but I think it's clear at this point that they have developed enough that DOJ should certainly be diving into a lot of these things. And, and DOJ has said they're paying very close attention and they want all the transcripts and blah, blah, blah. And by the way, you know, I, I think we mentioned that uh, the committee was still saying not yet on that. They did. There have apparently been more discussions uh, and they are promising to share eventually. Like they sort of clarified, they're not saying no, they're just saying not yet. Uh, basically they don't want their staff to be distracted by having to deal with this when they're still doing their primary investigative job and putting out these hearings. Uh, anyway, January 6th continues. We're still learning more. Okay. And uh, as you may have heard earlier, when my son interrupted, when my son Alex interrupted, he had a specific request he's been making for a couple weeks when I take a break. And I'm going to take a break and then I'll come back briefly, talk a little bit about the 2022 Washington State Democratic Convention that I attended, um, and then wrap up the show. Uh, but Alex has specifically requested Apple Dream 41 for the last couple of weeks. Uh, he wants this specifically because it's one that's not a happy dream. It's bad things happening to my dog, which my son apparently finds the way I talk about it incredibly amusing. Amusing? Amu incredibly amusing. Even though, like, bad things are happening to the dog. You know, but it is a dream. Okay, so it's not real, it's like not actual bad things happening to the dog. Anyway, we will take a break with Apple Dream 41. Uh, remember, folks, those are, uh, I post them on TikTok. Uh, you can find me as Ablesmay on TikTok. I haven't really been posting anything else other than the occasional dream on there. And th these are basically, I wake up in the middle of the night, I record a short video with whatever I remember for the dream, and then go back to sleep, usually. And, uh, I've been posting them on TikTok and, you know, some of them get some views. None of them have like gone super viral yet. Like the most views any of these have is a few hundred and most of them have more like a few dozen. But anyway, here is by Alex's request, 
Apple Dream 41. Okay, I don't like this dream at all. Myself, Alex, Brandy, and our dog Jetski were going to a park. And we were gonna, uh, it, it was more a park with like a lot of walking areas than like playgrounds and stuff. But we turned a corner and I saw a bear. It was a black bear. So I'm like, bear, bear, bear. And I'm motioning for everybody to turn around. And we all turn around. And as we turn around, a much bigger, like, grizzly bear kind goes running by. Now, there's, like, a little fence between us and where the grizzly bear was. But it was one of those, like, wooden slat fence. Not slat. Um, you know where they put the little pieces of wood, like, next to each other and little things anyway the kind you could get through easily like it's you could jump over it or somebody could get through it and we're heading back to the car and trying to like the bear is still a little bit of ways and then we're like where's jet ski and then we see like two bears off in the distance tossing something and we're like oh no jet ski got between the two bears and we make some loud noises and the bears run away, but we go to get jet ski and his whole back half isn't working right. He's still alive though. And so then we're like rushing to get him back into the car. Like I pick him up and I'm like taking him back to the, trying to take him back to the car. Like I didn't, I, I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to move him, but I have no choice. And I was picking him up and, um, uh, my wife was on the phone, uh, trying to figure out the right place to take him and whether our pet insurance would cover, like, being mauled by a bear, and, um, and Jetski was still breathing, but felt like he weighed, like, two pounds, and he's a 150-pound dog, and, um, uh, and uh, we, we get him to the car and we're trying to get him into the car and you know, someone who was in the way getting in the car and I yelled at them and I apologized for yelling at them and was like, but my dog. Um, and as we're getting, I think um, Brandy was finding out that this kind of thing was not covered by insurance. So we'd have to figure out the money things and, you know, it wasn't you know, clear to me if Jetski was going to make it, but he was struggling. Like he, he, he fought against me. He didn't want to get into the car. I guess he wanted to go back to the bears or something. Anyway, I was, I was very upset, very worried. This was not a good dream. Um, and then I woke up and it was one of those where I was very, very relieved to discover that this was a dream and it was not really happening. So, yeah. I'm gonna go find my dog. Well, no, he's asleep downstairs somewhere. I'm gonna leave him alone. I'm gonna go back to sleep in a second. Bye. Okay, so that was Apple Dream 41. And, um, yeah. Okay, the, uh, the, Washington State Democratic Convention. I didn't take detailed notes. I didn't do anything like that. Um, just a just a few thoughts. I mean the the convention was only one day. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. There were some caucuses and stuff that we didn't go to. 
um, during the week. Like I think Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there are a few of those things. Uh, the main part of the convention for the whole body was just Saturday. Um, and my comparison was the last time I went to these things was two. The last time I went to any of these things, uh, was 2016, uh, when I went with my daughter. Um, and this was a state convention in a presidential year. And, uh, there's a, if you go back and into 2016 on the curmudgeons corner website on curmudgeons corner.com, you can find like the archive. I, I did a extensive curmudgeons corner with like talking to people at that convention and things like that. I didn't do that here. Um, 2016 was nuts. It was huge because it was a presidential election year. There were lots of people there who were there only because it was a presidential election year and got themselves nominated as delegates to go, et cetera, et cetera. Um, on these off years, it's, um, it's just the people who are really involved in the party all the time that are going, uh, not the people who just wanted to do something interesting for a presidential year. Um, and so it's much, much smaller. Uh, they have, uh, less time on the agenda for things like you don't need to select presidential electors. For instance, uh, in 2016, I spent a lot of time talking about how crazy the process was for selecting electors. And I could not believe that that was how it was done. And that I guaranteed that there would be a few people like there were, there were people promising not to vote for Hillary Clinton, even though they were, by officially binding themselves and swearing that they would go with the nominee if the Democrat won the state, et cetera. And indeed we had uh faithless electors organized out of Washington state um, and other places uh, happening in 2016. Uh, but it was just nuts. It was, it is a crazy, crazy time. This was much calmer. Uh, they did some, you know, routine stuff with the rules, uh, and the platform. There were some, uh, debates over a few platform planks, but it all went really smoothly. There were uh, votes. Some of them were approved. Some of them were not approved, but there was nothing really super contentious. Like back in 2016, you know, it was just the Hillary versus Bernie split encompassed everything. And there were factions and they were loud and almost everything became a major battle and people were trying to fight over this or fight over that. And most of it was absolutely, totally pointless and didn't even matter what the result was, you know, but they had to fight over everything. Uh, this was much, much smoother than that and uh, nothing big, nothing contentious uh, in that part of things. Uh, it was interesting uh, after the official thing was over, uh, because Brandy is an elected official. Um, we got to go to a reception. We got to go to a nice little dinner. Um, and, uh, yeah, there were a bunch of people there who, you know, uh, the elected official got her into some things, other things we had to pay for. We had to pay for with donations and other people could get in as well through the, through donations. So it wasn't just elected officials, but, um, you know, we got to, to mingle and, 
I, I always find it extremely interesting now that uh, Brandy is an, an elected politician and is doing the politician thing. Um, you know, there were there were two members of Congress that, you know, recognized her, wondered what was up with her foot and talked to her for a few minutes. And it, it just really tickles me that uh, uh, we have this member of my family is recognized on site by like all sorts of politicians uh, in the area. And they'll just come up to her and kick off a conversation. And, you know, they know who she is. They know what she's about. They know the thing. You know, I'm very you you guys can tell I'm really proud of her, but it, it's still super amusing. And I'm just like, you know, it's, I do this anyway, but especially since she's on crutches, I'm just sort of following behind her, carrying her stuff while she's like talking to Congress people and stuff. And I'm just like, hi, yeah, I'm her husband. I carry her stuff. Nice to meet you. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, all, all sorts of people like the, uh, you know, uh, you know, are coming up to her at one point. After everything was over, uh, she had met, she had intended to go to this thing and mingle and network and do all kinds of things. But because she's on crutches and a boot, she wasn't very mobile. So she sort of waited outside the hall for people to come past. And at one point there was a line of people. There was a line of people waiting to talk to her. And one, one kid, um, was like, Miss Donaghy, Miss Donaghy, or no, not Miss Representative Donaghy, Representative Donaghy, could I please get a picture with you? And I'm just sitting there, like, okay, <laughs> cool. And, and there were a number of other people that it, it wasn't the only one who asked for a picture. It's it just I, I found it amusing, um, and in amu- amusing in a really positive, like, wow, I'm proud of her way, not like it's nuts. But anyway. Um, we got to hear a bunch of speakers at the dinner too, um, you know, the, uh, including Senator Patty Murray um, and uh, a couple of U.S. reps, the Secretary of State, uh, all this kind of stuff. The one thing that I will mention um, of all of all the speeches, the one I really remember um, is Senator Patty Murray is one of those politicians, and I've heard a bunch. Since the Dobbs decision overturning Roe, uh, I've heard a number of people, especially senators, are now starting to say explicitly, give us 52 senators. That's what you need to do. You need to give us 52 senators. Oh, and keep the House. They always sort of, they mention keeping the House, but it's a secondary, even though that seems like it's the harder lift right now, but whatever. But they're all talking about, give us 52 senators so that we can have 50 that will actually be okay to be aggressive and kill the filibuster so we can get stuff done, Uh, which sort of is almost directly saying, yeah, okay, yeah, Manchin and Cinema are worthless. We can't do anything with just them. We We need to have a few more Democratic senators. Uh, to to get things done. Now they didn't actually mention Mansion and Cinema. They didn't actually like say they were worthless. That's my interpretation. But 
a number, you know, like I said, I'm hearing this refrain. We need at least 52 senators. We need at least 52 senators because this is what we want to do. Now, the White House is not fully 100% on board. They've sort of been wishy-washy in their statements about like, uh, you know, about reforming the filibuster and these things. But um, although Biden has said he's willing to consider it at this point. Um, but I found it interesting that we now have sort of a subset of the Democrats who are very explicitly saying we need 52 senators. And a few of them I've seen on Twitter. Uh, and I think, you you know, Patty Murray listed off a few states, but I've seen them list target states for some of this too. Uh, which states do you really want to try to flip? Um, and I think that's more along the lines of the messaging that I think they need. Um, AOC uh, posted a Twitter thread about this too. And, you know, sometimes she has good points, some, sometimes she doesn't. Uh, but I think this is something where they really do have to really be clear on who they need to vote for which offices and what will they promise if they get that. Uh, because there's so many people that are sort of, I, I mentioned this in the first segment, th th there's so many people who are disillusioned at this point who are like, I voted blue. I voted blue multiple times and you've failed us. You haven't gotten us X. You haven't gotten us Y. You didn't prevent this thing with the Supreme Court. And you can explain you know, how government works and what you can and can't do fi with 50 Senate votes and what and how Manchin and Cinema don't believe in getting rid of the filibuster. You can talk about all this stuff, but to a lot of people, that just goes in one ear out the other if they hear it at all. Um, so if you're really explicit about like, here is what we need. We need to pick, we need to keep all of these Senate seats. We need to pick up these Senate seats. You need to get us at least 52 votes and probably really you want a little bit more than that because there are other people who didn't like the filibuster who are, or didn't want to get rid of the filibuster who are, were just more quiet. Um, although they, I, I heard them say that they had votes except for Manchin and Cinema. Who knows? Anyway, if they're, they have to be explicit about it and say, if you give us this, then we will do that. Um, uh, cause there are a lot of people who are just saying, you know, just telling us to vote again, that's not going to do it because we voted before and we didn't get it. Um, we didn't get what we expected. And, you know, again, explaining how things actually work is not helpful, but if you, I don't know, I don't know. And be careful with what you promise. Don't overpromise. I think that's a big problem of what was done uh, this time around in uh, in 2021 and 2022. You know, the Democrats came in and they made all of these promises on the assumption that they could keep all 50 Democrats in line and all 50 Democrats would push in a certain way. And they really only had 48 for a lot of the things on their agenda. And so they overpromised and underdelivered. You want to do the opposite. You want to underpromise and overdeliver. That's something that seems kind of obvious. It's it's like an engineer's maxim, right? Uh 
Yeah, but oh well, whatever. Anyway, the the it it was a nice little reception, nice little dinner. Had uh, oh, the governor spoke too, you know. Uh, he and he talked about some of the uh, um, things that the state is doing in reaction to the overturning of Roe. Um, and they all, of course, is it look. It was a, the Democrat convention. They all talked about the importance of uh, electing Democrats and uh, up up and down the ballot. Um, you know, the, the my 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 wife's race was mentioned. Uh, a lot of other people were mentioned. Uh, and uh, yeah. Anyway, it was nice. Had fun. I was amused. Oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll mention one other thing that uh, was interesting. It was not related to the convention, but last week I was polled by public policy polling (PPP). At least that's what it said it was. I had no real way of verifying, uh, not by phone because I would have never answered my phone. But they texted me, and I saw this is a poll from public policy polling, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll I'll do that. Um, and they asked me a couple questions. You know, they asked me Biden approval, which, by the way, I I also said I did not approve of what Biden was doing. I was a do not approve for Biden. That doesn't mean I'm going to vote Republican, by the way. It just means I don't think he's been handling things particularly well. You know, it's just it, the communication is bad. A whole bunch of things. Of I, I just think he's made the wrong choices in a bunch of places. Uh, I still yeah, hell of a lot better than what Trump would have done, but I'm still a little dissatisfied. So I, but more interestingly. It pulled me on my local races. And specifically, it pulled me on my wife's race. I did say I was going to vote for her, you know, but I, I don't know who's doing this poll. Like, you know, PPP is the polling agency, but I don't know who's paying for it. I doubt it'll be a public poll. Uh, PPP is a Democratic leaning pollster. So I'm wondering if it's like the state party or the, 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 the state organization that pushes local, local candidates or, or what, what it is. Um, uh, I would love to see those results, but I don't know if I'm going to get to, um, but I found it really interesting. Uh, yeah, I was polled on my, on my wife's race. I didn't think this was a race that would get polled, uh, cause it was just too small, but I guess it's one of the, uh, it's one of the swingiest districts in the state. So maybe. So, uh, you know, her race was polled, uh, her seatmate and the state Senate race in the same district all were polled um, along with, uh, you know, the senatorial race and some other stuff. Anyway. Okay. Now, I, normally I would go straight into the end of the show stuff now, uh, but I will take a quick break before that because um, I had promised Alex that he could promote the little go, the little GoFundMe uh, that he's set up. Uh, so we recorded this little bit a little earlier and I'm going to put it now. Tell your listeners about my GoFundMe. Seriously? Yes. And how would I find that? You tweeted it. I yeah. have a GoFundMe. Do yeah. it. Do a beep, 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 and then do a spot on it, and I'll include the spot as the third spot. That'll be the third spot. Beep, beep, beep. Do do do. Do do do. I have a GoFundMe link in the description. There is no link in the description. What do you mean? 
Just tell them where to go. Put a link in the description. The descriptions don't have links. I don't do that. Why? You're doing that. Just tell them to go to your Twitter because you've got a link to it on your Twitter. Go to my Twitter Which or is? my Facebook or Happy Happy Family Time. The, the <laughs> listeners don't have that. What's your What's your Twitter, Alex? Uh, Alex. Well, Alex sums the W. And? What? And what? Okay, and his last tweet is the link has the link to the GoFundMe. But there's a link in the description, so you don't need to There's no it. link in the description. Yes, there is. There will be. You want to make it convenient for your listeners. Go to Walex Emsla W, W-A-L-E-X-M-X-E-L-A-W on Twitter. And follow me if you like my tweets. And look at the last tweet. You'll have Alex's GoFundMe. What's the GoFundMe for, Alex? Lego. What, why Why do you want Lego? You've got lots of Lego already. Why do you have a GoFundMe for more? But I want more Lego. <laughs> Duh. For, for what? Is it for specific sets? Uh, yeah, a specific set. It's not even a set, is it? Um, well, I'm calling it a set. A set is just a creation. It, it's a specific set of pieces you're ordering individually in order to make something that you've designed in your head. Yes. Okay. Okay, say do, do, do again. Do, do, do. Okay, with that out of the way, it's time for the end of show stuff. Uh, thank you, everybody, if you've actually made it this far. I know most of you probably didn't. Oh, well, you know, solo show. And I, I always feel like I'm really rambly on these. At one point in time, I used to like make a detailed, when I was going to do a solo show, I'd make a detailed little outline and everything I wanted to say. Um, I haven't done that in years. More recently, I just turn on the microphone and start rambling. And so I know sometimes it's really rambly and I forget things and I, like I start something and then I never get back to it. And yeah, sorry. We do, we do better when we're together. I know. And why am I apologizing? If you made it this far, you must be at least somewhat okay with it. Anyway, hopefully we'll have Yvonne back uh, next week. Uh, hopefully his dad will be doing a lot better by then. Um, uh, last update I had from Yvonne is his dad is improving slowly, but he's still in the ICU. So anyway, uh, I, I, I should say he's, his dad is conscious, talking. All of that kind of stuff has been since almost the beginning, uh, but doesn't remember the actual accident. Um, anyway, hopefully he's doing a lot better. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can find us at curmudgeons-corner.com. You can find our Twitter there, our email, uh, what else? Facebook, um, <clears throat> an archive of all our shows, and of course, a link to our Patreon, uh, where if you donate to the funding of this show, uh, we can give you, we can mention you on the show. We can give you a postcard, give you, we'll send you a postcard. We'll send you a mug, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Uh, importantly at $2 a month or more, or if you contact us in any of those other ways and ask nicely, we will invite We will invite you to our Comedians Corner Slack where Yvonne and I and some of our listeners are talking throughout the week and sharing links and talking about the news, talking about anything else that sort of strikes our fancy. 
uh, we would love more of you there. It'd be it's great fun, and the more the merrier. Uh, normally, I'd ask Yvonne to say the top three things that were on the Slack that we haven't talked about here, but I have no idea. That I, I'll leave that to him. We'll skip that this week. Everybody, stay safe. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.